Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Memory Lane Podcast here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. And I am very pleased to be joined today by former Pirates manager Clint Hurdle. Clint, how's everything going with you today, pal? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. How are you? Uh, Clint, really good. Uh, what what I like to do with this is is share some favorite memories and stories uh, from uh, Pittsburgh sports figures. Uh, you certainly had a lot of great memories with the three straight playoff appearances. But before we do that, I, I'd kind of like to ask you to tell the folks in our region, what are you doing now? Uh, what, what are you up to in baseball these days? Well, I've actually picked up a couple part-time jobs. <laughs> Uh, one job that I'm, I'm tasking right now is I'm a special assistant to the general manager of the Colorado Rockies, Billy Schmidt. Uh, Billy and I have a relationship built over over 20 years, and he has asked me to go into the minor league system and evaluate our personnel and evaluate our staffs and kind of give him a, a report on what's going on underneath the hood. Um, he was a director of scouting until last year when he's named inter- interim GM, so he hasn't had spent a lot of time in our player development program. Um, Then he was named full time GM, and he was looking for some people to help bridge the gap and bring some information to him uh, to speed him up on on what we have, who we have, how we're doing things, making sure our hitting alignment is in place, uh, making sure that our staffs are cohesive and and are communicating well with the players, and our players feel safe, protected, and encouraged to, to wear a Rockies uniform. Do, do you enjoy all? Do you enjoy all that? I mean, it's different from managing day to day. It's a maybe more of a bigger picture. Do you enjoy those aspects of of the daily baseball grind? It, it fits me right where I'm at right now, Corey. And I only do it ten days a month. Um, I visit an affiliate every month, and then I usually make a little trip either to see the big league club or go scout some college players or scout some high school players for the draft. Um, I was so fortunate to wear a major league uniform for 45 years that once I spent two years at home after I was fired in Pittsburgh in 19, it just gave me a whole new outlook on life and, and, and what was important for me now. And being home for certain periods of time is very important for me now. Probably too much time at home. Yes, my family, 
<laughs> with COVID and everything else, I was home every day for about two years, and that's never happened before. Now I'm getting back out a little bit with a job with the Rockies, and I also do uh, some evaluation, some ambassadorship, and some senior advising for Perfect Game, the national showcase program that's out there. When you uh, when you get that time away from the game a little bit, I, I want to hear your favorite memories from your time with the Pirates in your career. What's your favorite memory from the past couple of years being at home? Well, I, I would say for me, the in-school tutoring uh, when schools were shut down, we had to go online. Um, my wife has so many more quality attributes than I have in characteristics. The one thing that she tried once was homeschooling, and she failed at it miserably and said she'll never do it again. So when the whole school thing came down, she goes, this is perfect. You're home. You got this. You got both our kids. You're the teacher. So I was able to interact with my daughter, Madison, who was <laughs> – would have been she would have been her senior year. Um, I had like four classes with her and my son. I had three classes with him. Um, so it was a full day for me. We get the kids up. I'd start with her uh, about nine o'clock in the morning and run till about one o'clock. And then I would pick up him and, and go with his classes. And it was from geometry, science, history. Uh, we were reading books. Maddie and I were reading books together. Just putting that time in knowing that I had to figure it out and knowing that I wanted to do a good job. So Siri became a good friend of mine. Alexa became a good friend of mine. <laughs> Google became a good friend of mine. Um, it was just a fun time for us to kind of plug into one another and, and figure some things out and try and help them with their grades. I love that. I had Bruce Tanner on last week, and he was talking about he didn't really get to know his dad until he was 40 years old. Uh, it, it Was that part of a good bonding experience with your kids, Clint? Well, it was. And as I've shared with people over the last three years, from the time I met my wife, Carla, uh, we've known each other over 30 years now. We've been married 23. We dated for eight. Um, I've been out of the house two weeks out of every month uh, until I got fired. Maddie, Maddie, Maddie was 17 at the time. I was out of the house two weeks out of every month. Christian, same thing. So... You know, you can tag out. I had to go. I had a job to do. There were so many things that were missed or so many things that you weren't a part of um, or unaware of. And I think the biggest thing was unaware of since when I got plugged back in at home, it was amazing to watch what my daughter had grown up and been able to do, a special needs child, now a special needs teenager. My son's progression, what he had learned to do, what my wife did daily and what she had to do every day that I wasn't around. I mean, she's a superhero, and I probably never recognized the true value and the effort that she had to put in all the time. She didn't have days off. She didn't have two-week road trips. So I learned to appreciate her in a much cleaner, a more respective sense. I had to appreciate my kids for the values and the, you know, the way my wife had really helped grow them up. I, you know, I played a role, but it wasn't the major role. And it, I mean, it couldn't be the major role, but it had, that getting back home was an opportunity for me to help out more to be a bigger part of it. I think the most amazing thing that got my attention early for was when my kids had a problem, either one of them, they went to their mother. And it made perfect sense because most of the time she was the one to help either diffuse the situation, explain the situation, you know, good cop, bad cop. She was all of that. And it took probably a year for the kids to realize, okay, he's not leaving. He, he's not going on a road trip. 
he's around. Maybe he can be a help here. And then they started asking me, you know, situational questions or if they were having a problem or if something came up. But it took time for them to put their trust into me, knowing that, you know, okay, this is a different scenario with dad. He can actually be my dad now. Oh, that is great, great stuff. I I really enjoyed those parts of these discussions, Clint, more, more than the baseball. We're going to talk some baseball, but I appreciate you sharing all that stuff. That's fantastic. You, you were the Pirates manager for nine years. You have a winning record. Uh, you know, we'll remember the three straight playoff appearances and uh, the Cueto game, the wild card game and all that. You had a winning record in nine years as the Pirates manager, Clint, breaking up the 20-year losing streak. If I, if I go back and look at your legacy as a Pirates manager, uh, just how proud are you that you were there to help end the 20-year losing and you actually had some success? Well, as I've told people when I was on the job, and i told people since, since I've uh, been removed from the job, it was one of the best experiences of my life getting to manage in Pittsburgh um, for a number of different reasons. Number one, when I came in the door, the discussions and the, and the narrative that I had with, with Frank Coonley, Neil Huntington, Kyle Stark, Greg Smith, you know, we asked tough questions. I told them I wasn't looking for convenience. I wasn't looking for comfort. I had a really good job in Texas as a hitting coach. I'd managed before. I don't have to manage. I want you to tell me why you want me as your manager, and then I'll tell you why I want to be your manager. And the conversations just took a nice organic flow. There was interest on both sides. The other fact was I, as a player coming into Pittsburgh, I was one of the players that was always attracted to Pittsburgh. I think it was – You either liked Pittsburgh or you didn't as a roadie coming in. I was attracted from early on teenagehood with the Steelers, um, with the Pirates. You know, it was the city of champions. They were on TV once a week, but it would be a Steelers game. It could be a Pirates game. And the talented people, the iconic names that gone through there. So I was always attracted to the Berg. Then to get an opportunity as I sat down and worked through you know, talking about the opportunity. You know, I just thought there's no greater opportunity in sport than to rebond this city with its baseball team. Now, losing seasons and what this city would do, how it would react. If we could get a seventh World Series and get him back into the playoffs and break the streak, I just thought it would be something of significance that so many people could share in. And truth be told, it was. It was all that and more than I ever could have imagined. You know, the winning started in 2012 before the tough finish, but then 13, uh, you, you broke the losing streak. Did you did you get the sense from the people in Pittsburgh, uh, obviously how passionate all the Pirates fans, everybody was just waiting for it to happen, waiting for it to happen. Then the wild card game comes around in 2013. What was it like for you to go through all of that and see all of those passionate Pirates fans finally rewarded after 20 years? Well, it, it, it's, it, it's a lifetime memory. It, it puts a smile on my face. That being said, I knew there would be heavy lifting coming in. The team had lost 212 games the two years before. And there were people there working hard. There were people there doing, putting out effort. It, we, it wasn't translating to wins in the, in the other column. 
you know, there may have been a sense where we were trying to move salary and, and put ourselves in position to draft better. You know, I think the terms tanking is what they use. I'm not saying we did it, but to lose 212 games in 2C, that's hard on everybody. However, what they went through there put them in position, I think, to start the move that we were able to help with in 2011, actually. If you look at the nine years, I believe, that we were fortunate enough to be in Pittsburgh, the first half of the season, the team was in the hunt every year. Mm-hmm. And we just ran out of gas the first year. I don't think we had enough depth. Um, I think the second year we had more depth, 12. Unfortunately, the league was better, and the competition was stiffer the second half, and we took our lumps. And some of the conversations that were going on gave you optimism because the players, it wasn't okay that we were losing. It, it wasn't, you know, well, we're getting a little bit better. Well, we're playing hard. You know, we talked about playing hard. I said, that's like getting grits on your breakfast plate in the South. That just comes with it, man. Playing hard is what we do. It's not It's not a something you try and sell. Well, we're going to play hard. Come watch us. No. Playing hard is a staple. Mike Tomlin used to say the standard is the standard. Playing hard, that should be a staple for us. Giving our best effort out there every day, regardless of how it ends up, should be a staple for us. Uh, it's represented the fans. It's represented the fan base. So the first two years were hard because we had some success, and then we got punched in the mouth. And I share with the players at the end of the 12 season, I said, this is, kind of reminds me when I was back on the playground as a kid. I can remember the first time I got in a fight and somebody hit me in the mouth and I tasted <laughs> So unfortunately, I tasted my own blood. And it scared me. And it was that day that I figured out, what do I do? Do I go home and tell my dad? Or do I figure out how to get bigger, stronger, better and get back on the playground? Because there's only one of them. So I said, my thought to you guys going into this offseason is how are we going to get back on the playground, be bigger, stronger, better than what we're this year? And then 13 happened, and we had some key additions to the club. We brought in some guys with some edge, some grit, um, some guts, some talent, and we grew up a bunch of our own as well, and it turned out to be a fabulous, fun season, not without challenges, but hold the drama involved, you know, because I thought I had a good feel on 18 consecutive losing seasons. Well, the fact that we hung two more up there and the number got to 20, I knew it was real because I'd hear it in the street. I'd hear I'd hear it at the grocery store. I'd hear it at Giant Eagle. Uh, I'd hear it wherever I go. You know, it was it was real. It was a thing. And then the fact is, it wasn't just playing 500 as that season started and went on. Then they wanted more, which any fan base would want more. And I think the beauty of what happened is that we knew we could play. We knew we could compete. We we had to figure out a better way to win, and we did. How to put games away, how to have key people show up in key situations. We relied upon each other. You know, the, the staff was cohesive, but the player pool in the clubhouse was the best that had probably ever been there in a long time. Um, and they loved playing for the Pirates. They loved playing for the name on the front of the jersey. They knew they represented the name on the back of the jersey, their family, where they'd come from. They loved playing on the name on the front of the jersey. And throughout the course of the season, as the fans started coming, I mean, towards the end, it was like an Oakland Raider football game, but it was in Pittsburgh on the North Shore because everybody was wearing the pirate outfits. Um, the, the stands were packed. It was electric. So you go all the way to the, you know, game 163, the blackout game, one of the most exciting sports spectaculars I've ever been a part of. And I've been in the World Series three times. Never Game 7, but 
three World Series visits and the game and the energy that night before the game was more than I'd ever experienced. Um, and then just the narrative of the game, Liriano pitching the way he did, Bird getting us on the board early, the crowd showing up, showing off, no, 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 and Cueto dropped the ball and then Russell Martin parking it in the stand. Mm-hmm. It's crazy stuff. And the grilly be on the mound at the end to roll the ground ball to finish it off. To see three generations of families, to see the outpouring of support, and just to see the pure joy from so many different levels of people, the hotels, the restaurants, everybody that had been down there, street vendors, and all the people that had worked so hard in that organization for years. There's so many fingertips on success. It was so much fun to be a small part of. What was what was your favorite memory with the Pirates, Clint? Would it be the blackout game, or or is there any other single specific moment that you truly you know hold hold dear all these years later? Well, it it would be the blackout game. We never made it to the World Series. That was one of our goals. Um, we gave it three. We gave everything we had. I gave it everything I had, and we came up short there. On the nine years I was there, the three straight years of playoff runs were significant. They were special. You know, who would think at the end of the day that we'd get beat by a Cy Young winner in the first, the second wild card game? I can remember my dad telling me, well, you ran into a buzzsaw. Arietti's a Cy Young. That'll never happen again. Well, yeah, it will. Mm-hmm. Or, or the next year, vice versa, whoever it was, Arietta one year and it was um, Bumgarner the next in a wild card game. Um, 14 and 15 back to back. Both side young winners shut us down. That's hard when you play that season. The season we won 98 games and had a one game shot and got knocked out. That was a tough one to swallow. But I, I believe the most important thing that came from that is the fans, they started to expect more. We set the bar higher. Um, and we made baseball relevant in Pittsburgh again. And they were proud to wear the jerseys, they were proud to come to the games. Um, it was a very special time and I wish it would have ended better. Um, but you get what you get, you don't throw a fit. That's what I tell my kids all the time. And, and that's the way I look at it. Just so many good memories, the wild card game, especially, especially though the first one, but then the relationships that were built up for the season, whether it be players, whether it be coaches, whether it be front office people, just fantastic. Were you a fan of the one game wild card? You won one, you lost two. Were at the time were you a fan? Now they now there's going to be a series. You know what 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 were your thoughts on it at the time? Well, I mean, was I a fan? Yeah, I was a big fan after we won. I wasn't <laughs> a fan after we lost. <laughs> yeah. uh, you'd like to think there was a better way to do it, but there there wasn't. I mean, you all knew the stakes going in. So I don't beat anybody up about the fact we only got one game to play. It's, it was unfortunate that's the way it was structured because it does. There's a lot of moving parts to that and you can leverage it different ways. Now, you know, if it's a best of three, it's a better opportunity. You're tested over 162 games scheduled. The best teams do get to the playoffs based on 162 games scheduled. When you put it down to one game, one night, the best team that night does win. It doesn't mean it's the best team, but that night they were. Both times we lost, the better team won that night. Clint, everybody. 
anybody who follows Pirates baseball uh, understands some of the challenges with the smaller market and finances. I mean, look, there, there's, there are a lot of layers that, that people do know about. I, I have one specific question for you, and that is after the 98 wins in 2015, um, the feeling for me and a lot of other people was that they did not do enough to enhance the team going forward after 28 feet, 2015 with 98 wins. Is that fair? When you look back after the 2015 season, was enough done to bolster the team? Well, that's a great question. And I think there's going to be people that are going to say, no, it wasn't. I was in all those rooms. I was in all those conversations. And the one thing I've learned over time, you share your thoughts and conversations with the people that can do something about it. At the end of the day, we were 98 wins. We felt, we felt that it was a pivotal point in time. And we were so close to busting loose. Decisions were made that were made. And there comes a point in time where, you know, your grade scale and pay scale is where you're at. You're supposed to do the best you can with what you have. Um, I'm not going to go public and, and, and whine. I'm not going to go public and cheer. Um, we were all in those rooms. We locked arms. figured out this is the way we got to go. And that's the way we had to go, and it didn't work out. Um, we weren't able to recover in 2016. Uh, we faltered in 17. We had a nice bounce back in 18. And then... You know, 19, the first half was solid. We were fighting, and it fell apart on us in the second half. So it is a challenge in that type of market. You can't throw money at things. You, you don't have much room for error. And we did it very, very well for the three-year period that we were there. Um, so I look back. It is what it is, and I'll leave those opinions up to other people, whether it was enough or not. And I started, I started with this, Clint. You left with a winning record. You had a winning record in nine years with the Pirates. that That is really just tremendously impressive. What 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 do you think the future is in Pittsburgh for Derek Shelton or whomever? Can they, can they win consistently in Pittsburgh? Well, it's been done before, so the, there's a playbook out there. And, and you know, a lot, lot, a lot of times people like to rewrite the playbook. Um, we probably did it differently than the clubs in the 70s did it. Uh, they may have done it differently than the clubs in the 60s did it. Uh, in the 90s, um, it can be done. Uh, as I look back on nine years, you don't have a winning record unless you have good players. <laughs> There's never been a, a manager get manager of the year and the team finished third or fourth. Um, you got to have good players. We, we drafted. I thought we drafted well. We developed well. We were in a good spot there. We made some shrewd trades. Neil Huntington and his group. When you talk about bringing a guy like Lariana, bringing a guy like Jay Hat, bringing in Marlon Bird, uh, AJ Burnett, Russell Martin from free agency, there were so many things that we took, you know, some risk on that worked out, and that all those men came in as well as on the field. Um, it can be done. Uh, I obviously don't pay as close attention to it as I used to, and it's none of my business. Truthfully, what Ben Sherrington wants to do or Travis wants to do or what Bob wants to do and the hard work that Derek's got to do and his staff down there with the players. Um, I'm pulling for, I'm pulling for them because I'm pulling for the city of Pittsburgh. I'm pulling for the fan base. You know what a beautiful park that can be when it's full and the energy and electricity that can come from it. Um, it's been tough sledding again this year as, as I, you know, catch some pieces along the way. I'm going to be in Altoona as we, you know, we talked about, Next, uh, this Sunday for Faith Night, 
Um, but there's always going to be a special spot there, and I don't want to wish ill on anybody. I, there's too many people that are still working there that I love and appreciate that I'd love to see them have success. I'd love to see them have experienced some of the things I was able to experience there. And hopefully there is a day where there's a seventh World Series championship in Pittsburgh for the city and for the fans. I want to let you out on a very easy one. What does Andrew McCutcheon mean to you, and what do you think Andrew McCutcheon will mean his legacy to the Pirates leading the leading the team during those three years playoff run? Well, I would hope he'd be one of the iconic figures whose name would, would be thrown in there when you when you think of the Pirates. You know, whether they put a statue outside for Andrew, I don't know, but you, you, you see Maz, you see Stargell. Um, you think of Clemente, the great one. There's other names that, that, that pop up. He was a very, he was a linchpin at a time where it became real, vibrant, authentic again. Uh, he was as good a man off the field as he was on. And there were times when it was more important to the man he was off the field than on the mm-hmm. field. And he was so committed to his teammates and to the city, still committed to the city. Um, Still lives there. Named his first son Steel, uh, in honor of the bridges. I mean, he was. A, we became very close, but it could only get so close as a manager and a player. We've actually gotten closer since I've left than he's left. Um, there's a lot of topics that we've been able to broach since then together. But one of my favorite all-time guys. I mean, in a funny sense of humor, a great laugh. I can remember at the Dapper Dan Award. The, one night, one of the things he said, I was laughing out loud. Hmm. I might have spit salad out of my mouth, but he said, you know, I finally realized that I must be getting better and more important in the city of Pittsburgh because they weren't calling me Larry Fitzgerald anymore when I walked downtown. <laughs> That's fantastic. Hey, Clint, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time uh, to share these fantastic stories. A lot of Pirates fans here, man, and uh, everybody remembers those three playoff years and the Cueto game, the Black Eye. It's just sensational stuff. I, I really appreciate you sharing everything. It was an honor to be the manager for nine years. It was an honor to live in that city. And I'd just like to thank anybody that's listening for the way that the city reached out, the community reached out. Loved on my wife, loved on my kids. You know, there were some people that supported me. There's some people that didn't support me. In the end, it all worked out very well because we felt we felt like Gensers while we were there. So, thank you. Terrific. Thanks so much, Clint.